0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week three of our sermon series called Why Jesus? And as you know, in an attempt to try to help all of you answer this important and life-transforming question for yourself, what I've been doing is sharing with you some of the main reasons for why I follow, with my hoping that as I share my whys, you'll begin to discover some of your own. So in week one, I shared with you how as a teenager reading scripture, Jesus revealed God to me. And that through the stories of Jesus, I was able to encounter God in a way that I could get my brain around. And what I found in the God that Jesus revealed to me was a God that was so amazing and inspiring and life-transforming that I chose to follow. Last week, I shared with you the main reason for why I choose Jesus. And that's because, and it's very simple, Jesus loves me. Even if no one else loves me, I know Jesus loves me. Or Jesus reveals that our God loves us with an unconditional, all-consuming kind of love. Or a love that's willing to give everything to save us, to set us free, so that eventually we can live and do our best possible lives. So, of course, it is without hesitation that I say yes to that kind of love every single day. But today, but before I jump into my third way, I, I need to take you through... How, first of all, a whole lot of people try to answer the question, why Jesus, in scientific and logical kind of ways, right? That's kind of how we're taught to think. And then in turn, explain to you why that kind of thinking doesn't work for me, at least not completely. So for a whole lot of people, especially those who have a whole lot of education, the way we generally go about trying to answer the question, why Jesus, or why God for that matter, It's not by thinking about our experiences and how God is at work in our lives. No, instead, what we do is we go about trying to prove our beliefs using science and logic. And of course, the reason we do this is because we've all been taught to a certain extent for that something to be true, you've got to be able to prove it. And if you can't prove it, then it can't be true. Or to give you a sense of this kind of way of thinking, there's this argument which I absolutely love called the argument from design. And basically what this argument states is that this amazing world that we inhabit is way too ordered and complex to be just something that happened. So that means there has to be a brilliant being who created all of this. Or the way William Paley explained it, and he's kind of the one who came up with this argument, if you were walking along the beach and you happen to come across a watch laying in the sand, you wouldn't assume that something that complex and ordered, with all its gears and thingamabobbers, would just randomly happen. No, you would assume there was an intelligent designer behind it. You would assume that someone made that watch. Well, the same goes for the universe, except in infinitely more complex ways. And that there's no way something as ordered and complex as our universe, as our lives, just happen all by themselves. No, there, there had to be some kind of intelligent designer behind all of that. Another famous argument that that people use is the cosmological argument, and they probably don't call it that, but that's what it is. And this argument basically says the universe exists. And things that exist don't just happen. You don't get something from nothing. They've got to have a cause or a creator. So when you follow the causal chain back to the beginning, there has to be some kind of uncaused cause. There has to be a first cause that set all of this into motion. Or to make this a bit more practical, people talk about the Big Bang being the beginning of our universe. Well, The argument goes, the Big Bang can't just happen. You don't get something from nothing. It had to have a cause. Which is also logic that is similar to the way we go about not only trying to prove the existence of Jesus as a historical person, which is relatively easy to do, but also to prove that he did all the things that the Gospels say he did. You know, things like miracles walking on water, healing people, the resurrection? Or to give you just a taste of this kind of logic when it comes to the resurrection in particular, one of the arguments that is given, which is one of my favorite arguments for this. So most of the time in the ancient world, or even today for that matter, when a leader of a movement dies, that movement usually dies with it. Like you, you, cut, the, um, you cut the head off of it and, and it dies, right? Right? So in the case of Jesus' death, if the resurrection never happened, we can assume that the disciples and everyone else would have just simply walked away. They, They would have gone back to their normal everyday lives because that's what you would expect if something happened like that. Well, as you guys know, that's not what happened. According to the New Testament, these men went out and not only continued this movement, but they were willing to give their lives. So it begs the question, well, why were they willing to do this? So the best explanation that people give for why the disciples were willing to do this Is they actually experienced resurrection, right? Someone died and came back to life. Now, these are just a few of the many arguments that that we use to try to prove the existence of God and that Jesus is who he says he is, right? I've I've heard these over and over again, I've wrestled with these time and time again. Before you go off to deep in thinking that I am in any way opposed to scientific or logical reasoning, I'm not. I'm a huge proponent of all things science and logic, and I really do like some of these arguments, and you guys are going to see some of them next week. I mean, it's pretty mind-boggling, but even though that's the case, let me walk you through why these logical arguments that I just mentioned, and many more, they really don't play a foundational part in why I choose to follow Jesus, and that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. So, way back in the 1990s, when the music was good. Come on now, those of you who grew up in the grunge revolution. And, and, when I also had luscious hair. So, way back in the 1990s, as you guys know, I chose to follow Jesus. And being someone who really loved to read and study... I started reading everything I could get my hands on regarding the evidence for God, right? All things that pertain to Jesus. I started reading books like Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, and that's just to mention a few of the most popular. Now, if you've never read those books, I would encourage you to go out and read them. They really are amazing. At the time, when I read those, they were books that I really enjoyed, and they helped my faith. But... For me, that was just the beginning of my journey. Next, I attended seminary. Then I did some graduate work in philosophy. And now I'm in the process of working on a doctorate of ministry. And what I discovered is I had an opportunity to to study under all of these brilliant men and women who are devoted to this stuff. This is what they do for a living, along with reading a whole lot more about this is that when you get really serious about these arguments, or when you spend time actually wrestling with them, and not just hitting them in passing, what you're going to find is that for every good and convincing argument there is, there is an equally good opposing argument. For example, in my graduate philosophy of religion course, uh, my professor who was a devoted Christian, whose wife is a minister I went to seminary with her, and whose kids were in my youth group, Brought in a physicist who was also a devoted Christian, whose kids also attended my youth group, to have a debate. And the debate that they were going to have is is regarding the argument from design. The watchmaker argument, but way more complex than that when these guys are involved. And what the philosophy professor was going to do was he was going to argue for it. He was convinced that this is the way you should go. And the physicist, he was going to argue for why he didn't think it worked. He he thought there was something missing in this. And what you need to get here is that the physicist wasn't arguing against the existence of God or trying to cast doubt on who Jesus was. He was a Christian himself, right? He was a a devoted Christian. No, what was going on in that room were two deeply devoted Christians arguing about whether or not they thought an argument worked or not. And then what happened is the the philosopher gave his case for why he believes that, that God is the only way that you can explain the complexity of the world. In that moment, I was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had to be right. I mean, I was taking all this information in. I couldn't wait to go out and proclaim it to the world. He's the one who's finally got it all figured out. Let's go tell the world. And then the physicist started talking and he started to give his critiques on this. And I started to see his side as well. Which in turn is this argument that that continues to, to roll around up there in my brain. And depending on the day or the mood that I'm in, it's where I come down. And then for me, this kind of wrestling, it wasn't just a one-time experience. No, it seems to me every time I have, think I have something nailed down logically, scientifically, especially when it comes to things regarding faith, but it's even bigger than all of that, right? It's my whole entire life. I run into something that, that I haven't seen before. I have an experience that calls everything into question. Every time I think I got it nailed down, all hammered out, all of a sudden something happens and it throws me into chaos. Or how many of you know what I'm talking about? For those of you who don't raise your hands, you haven't spent enough time dealing with life. It's just the way it goes, right? Well, what all of that put into perspective for me is that when it comes to things regarding our faith... We really do not have the ability to answer these questions logically and scientifically, leaving no room for doubt. I wish we did. It's not there. Now, the best that we can do with logic is to give evidence that points to our experience. That's the best that science and religion, or science and um, logic can do for us. And by the way, that's the way it's always been, right? It's why we call it faith- and not fact or faith and not knowledge. There's always been built into this very thing that we claim to to call kind of our center, this faith. There's always been a leap. There's always been something that is more than what we can prove. But I want you to hear me out on this. I didn't say all of that to, to hurt or damage your faith or try to take anything away from what you already believe. No, the reason I say all of this, the reason I bring all of this up is to help you to realize or see that you don't have to prove something with absolute certainty for it to be real and true. Do you guys hear me? Yeah. You don't have to be able to prove something with absolute certainty for it to be real and true. I believe your experience of God on a daily basis, which you will never prove, by the way, is more than enough. Which finally brings me to my third why. Why? So after spending most of my life searching and wrestling with these questions, one of the most honest answers I can give you regarding why I choose to believe in and follow Jesus is because for me, as far back as I can remember, I have experienced God with me. Or in some way that I can't explain, I can't prove it, I don't even understand it completely all myself. I have felt a presence within and around me that loves and cares and guides and helps and convicts and leads in good time and in bad, which I believe is God. Now, could this be some kind of mental illness where I'm just a little bit confused? Possibly. Could this be my subconscious mind telling my conscious mind what I should do? Maybe. Could this be just the way I go about justifying what I've been taught my entire life? Yes, it could be all of those things. But what I believe is going on or how I explain my experience, which, by the way, is not just my experience. It's the experience of billions of people throughout history. So I'm in pretty good company. Is that as the book of Acts describes God, the creator of the universe, he decided to pour his spirit into my spirit. God moved in to my life. And the way that Acts explains that really shortly is in 2.17. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you get how big that is? The creator of the universe has poured out his spirit into your spirit. He knows you more than you know Yourself. So, what I think is going on is that presence, that life, that person, that being, that love who is always with me. Yeah, that's God. That's Christ living within me. And even though I can't prove it logically, it's something that is as real to me as the love. I have for my children which by the way I can't prove my love for my children did you guys know that? there's a whole lot of things you guys can't prove in this world that's my why that is why I say yes to following Jesus and it's enough so if anybody tells you that if you can't prove it then it can't be true Tell them to go jump off a cliff. No, it's just not the way the world works. There's so many different things that we can't prove in the world. And what I want you guys to get today is your experience is enough. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who has this presence in my life. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who has these experiences. I think a whole lot of us live with God within us. So, now that I've given you my third why, my question to you is, why Jesus? Why do you choose to follow? And again, I want to remind you that if you'll take the time and answer this question, if you'll wrestle with this question, you're going to find life and meaning and purpose in what it is you've been chasing after your entire life. Or at least that's my experience. Let us pray. Father, we come to you again, and is my prayer for every single person sitting in this room that you are stirring their hearts, helping them to, to wrestle with this question for themselves. And I hope as they're wrestling with this question, you'll begin to show them their why, why you are worth following, how you are so amazing. But even more than that, O oh Lord, I pray that every single person in this room experiences your presence. I pray that they begin to open their eyes and see that that you truly are a God who is with us every step of the way. We just have to listen. We just have to be still to know you're there. So, Lord, help us to live this, to know this, to experience this every single day. It's in your name and for our sake that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.